Silence is golden. You've heard that saying before. No doubt you've used that saying from time to time in conversations with other people. And I will admit there may be some situations in life when it's true, when silence is indeed desirable. I hope I didn't hear anyone say, yes, Father Ray, during homily time at Mass. No, no, no. <laughs> but I'll tell you this morning one time where it's never desirable. When sin and evil are involved. Silence may sometimes be golden, but not in the face of evil and sin. In those situations, silence is destructive, it is harmful, and it can even at times be deadly. And you know what, my brothers and sisters, this is something that almost everybody believes deep down inside, whether they're Christian or not Christian, even if they're atheists, even atheists believe this. And that's very easy to demonstrate. I'll give you a case in point. The controversy surrounding Pope Pius XII during World War II. According to some modern historians, many of whom are not Christian, even atheists, according to them, what was the most glaring fault of Pope Pius XII? What was he most guilty of? Silence. Right? They claimed that he was totally silent in the face of the Nazi Holocaust of the Jews during the Second World War. Now, the truth of the matter is, Pius XII was not silent. I've given homilies on this before. Those of you who have been here at Pius a while will know this. Pius XII spoke up. And he did speak out many times. And for that, he was praised after the war by Jews all over the world. Prominent Jews, like Albert Einstein. He praised Pius, he praised the church. Like the chief rabbi of Jerusalem, like the chief rabbi of Rome, who eventually became a Catholic himself because of Pius's influence and witness. But even though Pius's accusers are wrong, the very fact that they're so upset does show that they believe exactly what we believe. That in the face of evil, silence isn't golden. It's reprehensible. On a separate subject, if you get the New York Times, you might have read this the other day. I read an interesting statistic there a few days ago. According to the New York Times, whose editors are definitely not pro-life, according to them, 64% of Americans oppose the idea of abortion on demand. 64%! So I ask you this morning, how come Roe v. Wade is still the law of this land? Why might we elect a man for president this year who got a 100% approval rating from the abortion rights group NARAB. A man who voted against a law in his home state which would have mandated medical care for babies born alive in botched abortions. He voted against that law. How could these things be happening? The simple answer is 
Silence. The deafening silence of at least 64% of our citizens, including, I dare say, I say it with sadness, many members of the clergy. Thankfully, some Americans have resolved to be silent no more on this crucial issue. And it's interesting, my brothers and sisters, to see who many of them are. Women who have had abortions. In fact, a number of them, like actress Jennifer O'Neill, have actually formed a group with the name Silent No More. These are women who have suffered for ending their pregnancies as they did. They have suffered spiritual consequences, emotional consequences, even in some cases physical consequences. But now they are courageously coming forward to tell their stories to the world. As Jennifer O'Neill said a few years ago to a group of government officials down in Washington, she said, and I quote, I had an abortion and paid for it all my life until I healed and am finally able to help other women. I say God bless these women of Silent No More. You know, they'll probably do a lot more to change the immoral abortion laws of this country than most of our politicians will. I encourage you, by the way, to look up this organization online. Just Google that expression. Silent no more, you'll find this website. Let me also add this. If you have been personally wounded by abortion, I highly encourage you to consider joining this group. It's a great organization. It might do a lot to help further your inner healing, which is certainly what God wants for you and for every woman who has had an abortion. Obviously, I mention all this today because of today's first reading, that text from Ezekiel 33, where God warns the prophet not to be silent concerning the sins of the people of Israel. He says, you son of man, I've appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me, i.e., you shall not be silent, Ezekiel. You better not be. If I tell the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you, Ezekiel, don't speak out to dissuade the wicked man from his way, he's going to die for his guilt. Yup. But I'm going to hold you responsible for his death. Heavy words. But if you warn the wicked trying to turn him from his way, and he refuses to turn from his way, yes, he shall die for his guilt, but you, Ezekiel, shall save yourself. Obviously, this word of scripture has a special application to people like me, to bishops, priests, and deacons in the church. I ask you to pray today that we will all take it seriously, because many of us don't, and pray that we will do that for our own sakes, as well as for yours. Let me add that this is why it amazes me when people are critical of the Pope or their bishop or dare I say, their own pastor, for preaching against sin. Glory be to God, what do they expect us to do? What do they want us to do? Do they want us to allow the people of God to go to hell? Do they want us to condemn ourselves? I hope not. 
After he murdered his brother Abel in the book of Genesis, you will remember, Cain asked the famous question, or maybe I should say the infamous question, Am I my brother's keeper? Well, in today's Gospel reading from Matthew 18, Jesus gives Cain the answer, and he gives it to all of us as well. He says, Yes, you are, at least to a certain extent. At least to the extent that you are responsible for doing what you can to help your brother recognize his sin and turn away from it. Now, bishops, priests, and deacons are called to do this for the entire family of God here on earth, by their preaching, by their teaching, by their own personal witness. As Ezekiel was called to do it for God's people back in the Old Testament. But please hear me this morning. Fraternal correction is also a requirement for all of you. For every Catholic, for every Christian. Notice that Jesus does not say here, if your brother sins against you, be silent, because silence is golden. He says the exact opposite. He says, in effect, if your brother sins against you, you better not be silent. Don't be silent. First, go and tell him his fault. But keep it between the two of you. If that doesn't work, he says, go and tell others and get them to help you out. If that doesn't work, seek assistance from the church. And finally, if that doesn't work, then you can treat him like a Gentile or a tax collector. Which basically means to avoid his company for a time, lest you become an accomplice in his sin. It does not mean, please hear this, it does not mean to completely close the door on the relationship you have with the person. That's a misinterpretation of the text. And how do we know this? We know it because Jesus Christ himself never closed the door on anybody, including Gentiles and tax collectors. He didn't participate in their sin, that's correct. He didn't condone their sin in any way. However, he did always welcome them, and he did it with open arms when they did recognize their sins and repent. Think of the guy on the back wall there, one of the four, St. Matthew, the tax collector. Think of Zacchaeus, tax collector up in the sycamore tree. Is there anyone in your life right now that you've closed the door on, so to speak? If there is, then I think the Lord is saying to you today that this is a good time to at least unlock the door to that person. Now, they might keep the door closed on you, that's true. But you must not, as a follower of Christ, keep it closed on them. Who knows? You may actually be the one who leads them to salvation in Christ. Believe me, stranger things have happened in this world. So today, our prayer should really be for courage, for fortitude, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Each of us should pray today, O Holy Spirit, give me personally the courage to say what I need to say, what I should say, what you want me to say in every situation. Holy Spirit, may I never, ever, ever, ever be guilty of the terrible sin of silence.